0: I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady, this week they got Brainy. We're doing it, we're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Because, hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFF. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right, so, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about sling Am I going right. to get sued? You got legal on this? Let's send you out on the right. Now. Uh, PFF sucks. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs> Boom. Ah! Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Pelizzolo. Trevor Sycamore here once again. Second straight day, Sam still recovering. Trevor, thanks for uh, for being here once again as we uh, as we talk remotely here.
1: I think Sam's milking it now. You know, yesterday I was sorry for him. Yesterday I had the well wishes. I was, you know, a good friend, a good coworker. And um, now I'm just calling him out. Now Now I'm yeah. saying that, you know, the work ethic is low. He, no, I'm kidding. I'm, <laughs> I'm The tough, The toughness level isn't there. No, I'm obviously kidding, Sam. He's also going to miss
0: Monday's show. I think he's got a, a vacation plan. So I think he's just wow. trying to recover for his special uh, father-daughter vacation mm. that he's taking. And uh, my plan, my hope, is to get the great Rick Spielman back on the show for a little discussion. Just him and I, one-on-one on Monday. So, so we won't see Sam until probably next Wednesday. But uh, today... Filling in for him, talking wide receivers yesterday. Fun discussion, Trevor, talking about the top ten best case scenarios and Mm -hmm. just going through each of those teams and where, you know, what their potential options are. What would they be rooting for on draft night? Now we're going to do it from a receiver perspective. So taking, you know, ten of the best receivers in the draft and placing them
1: with teams. So let's get into that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's going to be a fun exercise because yesterday we were doing it from a team perspective, right? It was like best case scenario for all the teams. Okay. What is it? What's the best case scenario for them? And they have a little bit more control over that becoming a reality. This one we're flipping it. We're saying, okay, what's the best case scenario for players, specifically wide receivers because everybody likes to talk about wide receivers. So we figured that that would be a good place to start with this exercise. They don't exactly have as much control, Um, you know, unless maybe they can, sabotage the other prospects in the pre-draft process, you know, like make a fail a drug test or, you know, alter their scores or, you know, uh, IQ tests or whatever. And so uh, they don't have nearly as much control outside of criminal activity and tampering, but uh, it'll be fun to see if they can actually uh, hit some of these landing spots. That would be exciting or
0: unexpected. Uh, And (laughs) it's 2024 bringing exciting or unexpected changes to your life. How about that? There's a secret weapon to help you face those challenges with more confidence. It's a great term life insurance policy. That's right. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it simple to protect your family's financial future. So you can focus on what's ahead, knowing your family is protected if something else unexpected happens. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can Go from start to cover it in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. So join the thousands of parents who trust fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. That's meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. M E E T fabric.com slash pffnfl. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions.
1: You're getting all right, man. You're, let's you're getting you're go. getting really good at uh. The end of that ad, like making it a very professional. You know, you gotta give like the disclaimer at the end. You're getting you're getting really good at it. I'm actually you wanna killed. fly
0: through. There was a point I think where I had I had done it so well that we pre-recorded it and just kind of like dropped it in at the end. It's like I could never do it better. So we'll just uh drop in the pre-recording and stop trying to do it live. But it's uh it's rolling off the tongue now. There you go. But uh let's start at the top. Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, again, I think we talked about it yesterday. I, he'll be our top wide receiver on the draft board. I think mm-hmm. he'll be many top, you know, many analysts, top receiver on the draft board. Where's the best fit for Marvin Harrison Jr.? And let's also put the caveats in place. There might be some crossover with some similar teams here.
1: Right. No, so throughout this whole exercise, we'd love to hear from people in the chat. We'd love to hear from people in the comments of where you think that these guys' best case scenario would be best landing spots. And The way that we kind of framed it was, what is their best landing spot for Instant success. So it's got a little bit of a fantasy football feel to it as well. Where could these guys get drafted where we could see them have really, really good rookie years, potentially compete for a rookie of the year honor, um, if you will. For Marvin Harrison Jr., it's the Chargers. And I think it's the Chargers for all three of the big three, uh, both him, Romo Dunze, and Malik Nabors. Now, I have some other teams for both of those guys because I didn't want to just totally cop out and say, oh, yeah, the Chargers for all of them. But in reality that's going to be the best landing spot for all three of these guys. The Chargers pick currently at number 5 overall, uh that is still in range for Marvin Harrison Jr even though the Patriots could end up selecting him at number 3. Um the Cardinals could certainly end up selecting him at number 4, but the Chargers are the best spot, right? They have a quarterback who is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL whether you want to call him top 5 or not, that's a debate I think for another show and another day. But Justin Herbert is fully capable of being a Passing machine to Marvin Harrison Jr. And I think that if he goes to the Chargers, even with Keenan Allen there, I don't know if Mike Williams is going to be there next year just because his contract can get out of it pretty easily. He's been banged up, obviously. He'd be the immediate wide receiver two, if not the wide receiver one, depending on how much volume Keenan Allen would get next year. And he'd be a 1,000-yard guy. So to me, this is easily the best landing spot given the quarterback situation is already in place. And it's guy with all the arm talent in the world to maximize uh, everything that that uh, MHA can bring to the table. Yeah. I
0: think when I'm, when I'm thinking about pairing QBs and receivers, I think about QB style. And I also think about what the receiver extracts out of the quarterback. So I think about um, Henry Ruggs a couple of years ago with the Raiders. I, I wouldn't have taken him as the top receiver over a guy like CD lamb or um, other guys that were in the draft that year, but with Ru- the, when he went to the Raiders, Derek Carr became more aggressive because they had a deep threat, and they almost, you know, kind of like induced aggressiveness out of him. Mm-hmm. I want one of those guys for Justin Herbert. And I'm not saying, and, and I, I, I want a good all around guy like a Marvin Harrison, but now I'm thinking like later in the draft, a, a Xavier worthy, or, you know, if, if they don't take a receiver at the top, can we get a speed receiver or someone that's going to make Justin Herbert throw the ball down the field more? First priority, though, is just a very good receiver, and I think that's Marvin Harrison. He'll light up all over the place. He can win inside, outside, down the field, after the catch. Everything would be good if him and Justin Herbert are paired together, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: yeah and, and kind of to your point, that's why the other two make sense as well. You know, It's not just the fact that they're really good wide receivers, but you saw what Malik Nabors was able to do vertically, especially from a slot alignment. I think as the season went on, LSU really started to hit a groove with that slot fade uh, route that Jaden Daniels was just very, very comfortable throwing, whether it was from 20 yards out, 30 yards out, 40 yards out, however, for the, for the distance was from the end zone. Daniels was not afraid for, uh, of dropping back and hitting that route for a touchdown, even to the point where like his feet may have been standing on the logo or near the 50 yard line. So, there's tons of vertical experience with neighbors. Um, he's got great after the catch ability as well. So I think that that is a good plug and play option to, like you said, then do some aggressiveness into that offense. Or I don't want to say, cause it's not like the Derek Carr situation. It's not like Justin Herbert won't throw it deep. You just then have a guy which you could do that more often. And right. the same for Odunze, right? Odunze is six foot three, 215 pounds. And he's a bigger receiver, but He's got a high average depth of target. I mean, you look at the last two years of of Washington's air-raid offensive system, Michael Penix is just letting it fly. And and Odunze was uh, on the receiving end of a lot of those passes. So that could absolutely still be his bread and butter at the NFL level. So it's not just the fact that these are three really good wide receivers. They'd be great to pair with Justin Herbert. I agree with you. All three of them, to me, give you... That's sort of what is missing from the Chargers offense right now. And it is that constant deep threat and that is that electric playmaker deep down the field.
0: Well let's talk about that top three then as a group. You know, yesterday we went a little out of order at times and probably confused people, but the way you have the list here, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, do you think this ends up becoming you know, pretty consensus or is this going to be pretty consensus across the NFL from an evaluation standpoint? These are the top three. And then there's a drop-off. How do you stack up this class first? And by the way, quick teaser, too. I think Sam and I are going to unveil our wide receiver rankings next week. So we have yours nice. on pff.com as part of our uh, our draft board. You're going to continue to update that leading up to the draft. But is this a clear top
1: three? Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, and Roma Dunze? Yes, I think so. It's 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 a very clear top three to me. Now, consensus the word consensus gets a little bit tricky because um, I do think that opinions are going to vary quite a bit. I don't think Let's we're going to most common. Most yes. Common. Is, that's probably the way that I would say it. Like yeah. the, I think at the end of the process, some people are going to have Malik neighbors wide receiver three. Some are going to have him wide receiver two. Some are going to have him wide receiver one, the same thing I think maybe could be the case with Romo Dunze. But at the end of the day, when we get to draft day, the end of April, The most common spots for all three of these guys, in my opinion, is going to be Harrison Jr. at one, Malik Neighbors at two, Romo Dunze at three. I think that will be the most common amongst them. So I I don't really see anybody else making a run at one of those top three spots. You'll just kind of see them play musical chairs a little bit, but that is, to me, the most common outcome for those guys. Yeah, most common
0: is a good way to put it. I mean, I made the comment yesterday, we live in a world where, uh, no offense to like, johnny twitter user who has 300 followers i'm not trying to denigrate him at all but that guy has his own draft board now right and he like those guys send us their draft boards all the time just you know whoever because it's fun and people like to do that so if you say oh everybody's got these in the top three somebody will jump in and be like no no i got this guy seventh on my draft board here's the link to my you know angel fire website or whatever it is again no offense i'm just saying there's wait, what is angel fire something from the late 90s don't worry about it Uh, (laughs) um It's way
1: back. So I, my references are starting to get dated right now. I was gonna say, I re- man, I remember. I remember making. I remember making a website on like Weebly. You remember doing that? Like, I I, I would do. Uh, no, oh man, so no. that was like that was like early two thousand tens. I I I made oh, my I made my own draft website in two thousand eleven. Called it Road to Radio City. That's when the that's Ooh, when I the like draft that. was still hosted. Uh, in Radio City Music Hall in New York City every single year. So I called it Road to Radio City. And it was just, you know, it was a draft website. It was a cool way for me to kind of, yeah. uh, you know, customize my how the rankings looked and the feature images and how their website looked and all the articles and stuff like that. But uh, that was a Weebly or WordPress website. I don't even know what you this said. This is well before. Yeah, well I don't before even that. know what you said. <laughs> I mean, who
0: hasn't had a draft website? I had drafthub.com for, oh, there uh, we go, baby. for a nice. year in 2012. So again, I'm not trying to... The point I'm trying to make is not to denigrate anyone that's doing that. That's fun. That's awesome. It's just funny when you make a statement, the consensus, or everyone does this or whatever. There's always someone with a differing opinion because there's just far more opinions and easier to share them. Sure, sure. Um, so when I use the word consensus, I'm, I'm thinking majority mostly. Um, any any other landing spots for Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, or Fitz that that makes sense for you?
1: Yeah. So you know, obviously, if the Bears go quarterback at number one, then Both Neighbors and Odunze are in play to have really, really productive seasons if they go to the Bears at number nine. So I think the Bears are an option if they go quarterback at number one. Obviously, if they don't, if Fields is still the quarterback, you know, or basically if they're bringing in anybody other than Kirk, like I'm just throwing out all the different scenarios. And shoot, I mean, maybe if it even is Kirk Cousins, I still think that the rest of the offense would need a little bit of work they probably wouldn't be the answer. But if it's Caleb Williams, I think that's the answer because Caleb is coming from a heavy passing system. You know, he's just going to let it fly. Like, this is somebody who, I think even in his rookie season, is going to be pretty fearless as a passer. So Chicago becomes a, a team in play for those. I like <laughs> both neighbors in Odunze for the Cardinals, although I would say I feel like I I, I gravitate towards neighbors in Arizona being a more productive player just because I feel like his speed and style with the other guys that are in there right now, I think they could lose Marquise Brown in free agency. I'm not so sure that he's going to come back. I'm not so sure they're going to want to pay his price tag. So all of a sudden that speed element could immediately still be in the offense and more. If you're drafting a guy like neighbors, which they saw some good connection with uh, that at the tail end of, of the Cardinal season last year, when Kyler Murray was able to come back and be healthy. So a fully healthy year from Kyler Murray didn't want to, you brush that off as we talked about the Chargers being a good landing spot. I think that neighbors would be really great in Arizona. And then Odunze, honestly, this is a perfect fit for him. The New York Jets, the Jets are sitting there at number 10. And we consistently say offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. And I think at the end of the day, it is offensive line. But outside of Garrett Wilson, they desperately need wide receiver production as well. So... For Odunze to go in an offense where he becomes a 1-2 with Garrett Wilson and then Aaron Rodgers is throwing in the football, you got Brees Hall coming out of the backfield, hopefully the offensive line's a lot better, that also could manifest itself in a 1,000-yard season for Odunze. So to me, I think if we're not going with Chicago for both of those other two guys, I like the Cardinals' fit, especially as a Marquise Brown, Brown replacement for Neighbors. And then I love Odunze getting to play with Aaron Rodgers in New York for the Jets, potentially uh, at the back end of the top 10. I think we painted that
0: picture a little bit yesterday with the Jets. If they went with the strategy of we're going to shore up the offensive line in free agency, fill our starting spots there, we might not have to take a tackle at 10. And then, as you, I think you mentioned a little bit earlier, think about Odunze and his highlight reel. It is the vertical route tree. Um, Michael Penix's biggest strength, throwing the ball outside the numbers with velocity, throwing the ball head high on back shoulders and throwing Mm -hmm. a a fade ball off of that. Think about Rodgers in that vertical passing tree and what he'd be able to do with a dunze If Garrett Wilson is his high volume receiver and a dunze becomes more of that vertical back shoulder type of threat, I do love that fit as well. The Jets again would have to, they'd have to have the offensive line in place, I think for them to go receiver in the first round. And Adunze might not even be there at that point at 10. Right. Uh, There was also a point for Adunze in particular earlier in the off season where I was thinking, I I didn't think that he would go be in the top 10 conversation initially. And I was thinking the Cincinnati Bengals, if they're going to, even if they bring back T Higgins as a franchise tag, I thought Adunze would be an awesome fit as the future number two, or if they let Higgins completely walk. Uh, But I don't, I don't think he, he ends up in the middle of the first round. So that might, that
1: point might be moot at this point. But that was my initial take. No, I think that that's a, that's a great one as well. And and we'll get to this team in a little bit, but like, you know, if neighbors were to have a fall much further than what we believe he's going to, I think the Colts sitting there at 15, you know, if he's within striking range, the Colts wanted to move up or if somehow some way he got to 15 and was still on the board. That's also perfect for me because you got Pippen as an X on the line of scrimmage wide receiver you've got josh downs as a slot stud for you you can have a elite flanker or move wide receiver in neighbors who could just be such a such a chess piece in, in whatever you wanted to do and obviously richardson's got a cannon of an arm so we'll talk about indianapolis but if you're if you're saying okay teams a little bit further down that would also be ideal landing spots indianapolis would be one for neighbors
0: uh, i've been trying to give indy more receivers for the last five years this has to be the year they start loading up on the outside, right? Maybe, um, maybe. Brian yeah. Thomas from LSU next on your list as far as uh, receivers that we want to place here.
1: Yeah, so I think Buffalo is is the one that comes to mind immediately. This would be filling the Gabe Davis role, which feels like Gabe Davis is on his way out. He's an unrestricted free agent, probably not going to bring him back. You have some nice slot options. If, you, if the matchup that week favored more of a quicker player in the middle. You have Khalil Shakir, who I think is coming along very nicely for them. If it's a matchup that you say, hey, we, we could use a tight end here. Obviously you have Dawson Knox, but then you have Dalton Kincaid as well, who I think could be a good slot player for you. Stefan Diggs is kind of that do-it-all wide receiver, but you still need that vertical threat. I think that was a big part of their offense this year that was missing, just not having that guy. And Brian Thomas Jr., to me, uh, six foot four, long strides, fast player, uh, very... Proficient, very experienced when it comes to a vertical route stem. That's what you want. And I think that would be a perfect fit for the Buffalo Bills. I think it would continue to allow that offense to be as explosive as we saw this past year, which was uh, a top three, top five offense in a lot of different categories, especially in the past game. So, yeah, the Colts, again, for the reasons that I mentioned, I think could be an option there. You mentioned Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati, him opposite Jamar Chase, could be an option there as well. But uh, those are those are the Places that come to mind with with the Buffalo Bills being the one that I would love to see Brian Thomas Jr. land in that spot. So the way you describe Thomas, I think I I agree. Generally,
0: we're talking vertical route tree, stretch the field type. I I do worry about him as a higher volume receiver, his overall route running, and you know I, I agree with him being below the the top three. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where opinions are going to land on on Brian Thomas either. I know Sam's probably a little bit lower on him than some of the, uh, you know, other analysts around right now or you right now. Um, and I'm curious to see where he lands. I think every receiver discussion every year for me becomes a flavor and style and how, sure. how are you going to fit this guy into the offense, right? And I always try to describe receiver being different from other positions. It's completely different from offensive tackle. Where a tackle has to be at least reasonably good at everything, because you're playing every snap. So if you're bad in the run game or bad as a zone run blocker or bad in you press, get exposed, you know, right? You get exposed, of course. As a receiver, though, if you tell me, hey, Brian Thomas doesn't have to be the high volume guy. He will be the deep threat. Everything that you laid out with the Bills, he'll they'll go play to his strengths. All of these guys have a chance for success, and that's what we're trying to do here. So I like that fit in Buffalo. If we're talking Brian Thomas as a As a vertical threat.
1: When are we going to see a coach start rotating offensive linemen with regularity based on play calls? You know? Where it's like like all right, third down. Yeah, like third down versus first and third and short. We're putting in two big hosses who that's all they do, right? And you're just you're just going, I don't care if you know what's coming. We're just making a strength to strength and we're running straight at these guys and we're gonna pick it up. And then that's when you start to play the ultimate chess game, where you put these guys in, then you throw in play action, then it's all of a sudden do running backs matter? Now it's like, oh, do the offensive linemen, matter. Matt, I no, love I'm it. I'm not getting that far. No, I love rotating
0: offensive linemen. Play to their strengths, man. Yeah,
1: it's it's something that obviously the NFL doesn't do for a reason because chemistry and continuity on the offensive line is paramount. I think we talk about that a lot when teams make playoff runs, teams make Super Bowls. You know that chemistry is very very important, but. If you get a close knit group. You get good chemistry with seven or eight guys instead of five. I'm just saying, just saying, could be the next evolution. I mean, I mean the Lions started
0: using Panay Sewell at tight end and moving him around and everything. The tricky part there, though, is you can't put you can't put the lineman at tight end and then put him back at tackle on the next play. Right? They can't go from eligible to ineligible the next play. So you oh, got to sit out. Yes, they have to sit out a play. Mm. Um, so you can't. So you might lose your awesome right tackle, Panay Sewell. So every time they put him at tight end, sometimes they'll do it just before the two-minute warning or something so they can they don't have to lose the play. Mm-hmm. But you can't put him from eligible to ineligible. So it it makes it more difficult to take a Trent Williams or take a Panay Sewell and do the the tight end motion thing. Mm-hmm. You just have to be ready for
1: that. Unless for that. you have a rotation of offensive linemen that you're cool Just for. move them left to right, all the way through every single play. Never wow. know where they're going to be. Ultimate versatility. Just a team full of Graham Bartons. Just six yes. Graham Bartons. Just seven Graham Bartons. Graham Bartons'
0: versatility becomes far more important, if that's the case. There you go. Let's go uh, Troy Franklin from Oregon, uh, as far as fits. And and also, like where do you think he ends up landing? I think, again, he's another guy my first look kind of liked. I think Sam kind of liked him on first look. Yeah. Where does the NFL end up landing on Troy Franklin from Oregon?
1: I think Troy Franklin should be a a first round wide receiver. I really do. I I was super impressed with his film. When I watched him over the summer, I had some doubts, you know, he's, he's got a slender build. He's like six foot three, like 280, 285 pounds. And so he struggles with a little bit of the strength portions of the game, right? Just think very naturally, but the footwork is so fast. His releases are so fast. He's, he's, he's great off the line of scrimmage. So he can mitigate some of those stronger press coverage corners that he goes up against. At the catch point, he's decently strong for his size. Really is, he really is. But what I love about Troy Franklin is yes, he's a vertical receiver. Like, yes, a lot of what he does in Oregon is is kind of stretching the field. And um, it's you know, those those either like quick game or deep game. Like there's no in between. But the yards after catch for him, specifically the missed tackles forced per reception. I mean, when he gets the ball in his hands, he becomes a playmaker. And that to me is super valuable. I love the idea of him going to the Houston Texans. You've got Nico Collins, who's coming off an incredible season this past year. I think you can certainly count on him to maybe not replicate that exact same season, but be able to rely on him as a strong X receiver moving forward. You've got Tank Dell, who Tank Dell's feisty enough to play in and out, but he's mainly a guy that you want in space. You want him to have that quickness, those two-way goes, because he's his his body control and his precision when he's running his routes is just so devastating. So you want to put him in those situations more often than not. And then Franklin, if you make him again, that off the line of scrimmage flanker type of wide receiver, you can move him around in the pre-snap. You can use him as kind of a chess piece to identify what the defense is doing in pre-snap. You could change kind of who's going up against him. If you think the defense isn't fully going to rotate. And I think that he's fluid enough of an athlete and he's smart enough of an athlete to take advantage of those things. So to me, it's a little bit of the same conversation with him being first a experienced vertical receiver, but I think he is so much more than that. And I would love to see him with CJ Stroud. Cause I think those are two very, very smart football players when it comes to diagnosing coverages and then Franklin becoming a playmaker after the catch. So I love him at the back end of the first round. Was it pick 23, 24 for Houston? Uh, no, I think it's actually 27 now for whatever it is. I, I just, I love this landing spot for him, uh, for him with the Texans.
0: You mentioned the yak ability for Franklin. It does feel like this class doesn't have a whole lot of guys where that's their specialty. That's where they specialize is yards after the catch. It does feel like a lot of these guys are more vertical type receivers. Um, you know, win down the field. You know, the top three that we keep talking about—they're all around very good receivers. But I think that the yards after the catch ability uh, might help a guy like Franklin stand out in this draft class. Where there's not—I thought last year's draft class was a lot of undersized guys, right? The Tank Dells and, say, Flowers and Josh Downs. Like, that was kind of what it was known for at a certain point. And I don't mm-hmm. think we've got, a, um, I think this year's class is a little bit more,
1: a little bit more vertical as far as... Uh, Definitely at the top. the options you know, are. You know, I, I think that there are still some smaller, good receivers in this class, right? Like, Roman Wilson, Ricky Pearsall, um, Taj Washington, Malik Washington, Ladd McConkey. Like, there's, there's a lot of really good, smaller receivers, this class just has more of those bigger vertical threats that we get to have in that same conversation where last year we didn't. And last year, honestly, that's hindsight, of course, but it's like, that's probably why Quinn Johnson's in that that conversation as wide receiver one or in the back end of the first round because we were starving to find a bigger receiver because it was only shorter guys after that. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's kind of how we got to that point. I see the chat talking about it. Yeah, the, the
0: the draft is deep at receiver, and I think it feels deep at receiver every year. It's just the nature of there's most college teams have three starting receivers. Most NFL teams have three starting receivers. And the thing that I said earlier is, you know, you don't have to be great at everything because I can look at a guy and say his skill set will be used in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes it more palatable to draft a guy late first or in the second
1: even if they have weaknesses at this position versus others, good at wide receiver, like you said, is different than good at offensive line. You know, I, yeah. we're just we we would view it differently. If if you are a specialized player, like let's look at Xavier Worthy. Um, do I have Xavier Worthy on here? I don't think I do. He's not on your list here today. So a Xavier guys Worthy is not on the list. By the way, we do need to talk about quickly. So, so like Xavier Worthy, blazing speed. I mean, incredible athlete, very quick feet, lightning quick feet, but. The strength parts of his game, getting off press coverage, handling contact at the catch point, and just straight up just like catching overall, he struggles with it. But it's it's not that glaring because he's he wins so much with speed and you can envision a world where okay, he doesn't have to be the strongest receiver in the world. he can still be a very productive receiver and really help out the offense just from his speed. Like you mentioned with offensive line, or defensive line as well. Sometimes it's a little different from defensive line. Sometimes you can get away with it with being, you know, a run, uh, run stuffing specialist, a pass rushing specialist, but like offensive line, if you, if you have any weaknesses all, at all, you can't be considered a good offensive lineman. And that's a right. tough draw for them, but that just kind of is what it is because you never come off the field and, and your part of the game is so paramount. And so you got to be more well-rounded. So I think that's a good let's, part of the conversation too.
0: Let's talk Lad McConkey here. You know, he... He started to get, I was, I was surprised that he got the hype that he got. I, I thought that the NFL might be slow on him. We started to hear late first round hype on Lad McConkey out of Georgia, um, went down to the senior bowl and, you know, everybody was excited to see Lad. So what do you think about best fit? And again, similar question, where do you think he ends up landing
1: on draft night? Yeah, I don't think Lad goes in the first round. When you look at the teams at the back end of the first round that might be interested in lad McConkey and maybe they are more than I think, but like, I don't think Philadelphia is going to take him at 22. I don't think that Miami's going to take him at 21. Um, Houston's already got Tank Dell. I think Dallas could take him, but CD Lamb plays so much in the slot. So I don't think that you're going to take him there. Green Bay has got a lot of guys that can play in the slot. They got Jaden Reed as well from last year. So I don't think that they're going to prioritize him in the first round. Um, I don't think Tampa's is going to do it. They've got Trey Palmer. They like, what they have a Trey Palmer. Plus he's a little bit more of a vertical threat. Um, Arizona, if you're moving on from Brian O'Moore, maybe, I guess, but uh, I feel like Arizona's got a lot more premium positions that they've got to address, so I don't think they're going to be interested. Buffalo, I already mentioned, they've got their slot stuff figured out. Detroit's got them on Ross St. Brown. Baltimore just drafted Zay Flowers. San Francisco has Debo Samuel, and, and, and I think plenty of guys that could play in that quick hit uh, style. Kansas City has Rasheed Rice, and so Rasheed Rice, I feel like, would play a lot of... That Lad McConkey role as well. Again, not that they can't get him on the field, but you got Rasheed Rice already. You got Sky Moore. I know Sky Moore's been a little bit disappointing, but to me, that's how I run down the the back end of the first round, where it's like, all right, maybe, but it's not more likely than it's not that McConkie would go to one of those spots. So instead, the spot that I chose is at thirty three, the beginning of the second round. It's Carolina Panthers. If Lad McConkey goes to Carolina Panthers, what's he going to get like one hundred fifty targets next year? <laughs> I mean. He's, he's going to threaten the the league lead in targets because I got nobody else to throw the ball to. So I, I I feel as though this would be a ideal spot for them because they need this kind of receiver anyways, right? I think they were hoping to get that from Adam Thielen at least a little bit, and I think they got that a little bit. Um, it's certainly relative to expectations, given Thielen's age. But you get Lad in there, and and again, this is a. Triple digit target player, even as a rookie, I think, if he lands at Carolina. Do you
0: do you see him as a slot only? You know, he played a lot on the outside of Georgia. And I I could not believe every year there's just a there might be guys on film where it looks like you're watching the film on fast forward. Mm-hmm. And I his speed and quickness both stood out to me as a route runner. Like in the SEC. Yeah. And and a lot of times with you you mentioned Xavier Worthy and his he's he's a speed receiver, right? He is just pure deep ball speed, uh, Xavier Worthy. But McConkie, you don't always get speed and quicks. Sometimes when you're straight line fast, it's tough to slow down. It's tough to be in and out of cuts and everything. And I couldn't believe how my first watch on McConkie, how well he did that. So do
1: no, you think he can play outside as well. I do. Absolutely. I think he, now I think his home base is going to be in the slot because that's where he's going to be most advantageous. I feel like that's where you can get The ideal situation is, and this isn't going to happen in Carolina immediately, but the ideal situation is you've got one or two guys on the outside that you could play. You've got a bigger, stronger X receiver. Um, You have somebody who could be a little bit more of a vertical threat um, on the outside, and then you kind of let McConkie be this inside-out type of player. You know, if you only have two wide receivers out on the field— I got no problem with one of them being whoever your main X is. And then the other one being McConkie. But when you go three wide receivers, I think the best opportunity is to have McConkie in the middle because you could cook so many corners on different two way goes. Cause not only is like you said quick, but he's also a great vertical threat too. So if guys are playing him in the slot, you've got to play off of him because he can get off of you really quickly with a variety of different releases And he can get up the seam immediately. And and that's just going to be an easy completion, um, especially if the safeties aren't paying attention or they're paying attention to the outside guys. So to answer your question, no, I don't think that he is a slot only player when offenses go more heavier set formations. And there's only two wide receivers on the field. I think you could put him as one of the two wide receivers that are there as an outside guy, because I compared him to Eddie Royal. He's got the quickness. He's got the long speed, but also Eddie Royal would block like Eddie Royal could block for his size. And I feel like that's also a plus of McConkie is no, is, is he a devastating blocker? Of course he's not because he doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the mass to do so, but he's very willing. He's fundamental. He's fierce. He's feisty. He'll get in your face. And so I really do think that this guy should be in the first round conversation, like the back end of the first round. Cause I think he could be awesome for an offense. I just don't know if any of those teams that I mentioned are going to take the bait for it. So instead, I look at him as a priority, uh, second round guy and going to 33 to the Panthers.
0: I, I love a good Eddie Royal comp. I'll buy into that Royal. I think he had like 90 catches as a rookie right off the bat was that yeah. outstanding. Um, describing McConkie, I'm hearing uh, Kyle Shanahan system type of quarterback because that they, they're going to use tighter splits. They're going to keep their receivers a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. You know they want to take some some vertical shots and uh as they mentioned in the in the Super Bowl, no block, no rock in that system, right? So you have to get
1: in, gotta get dirty in the run game. And that's Georgia too, right? I mean, like think about how talented Georgia is, how talented of a wide receiver group that Georgia has. And yet when they would go two wide receiver sets over the last two years there were times when it was Brock Bowers as the, the X receiver and then Ladd McConkey as the, on the other side. So especially in the 2022 two season, when Georgia had Darnell Washington, Washington would stay in as the inline tight end. When they go a little bit more condensed, a little heavier, Brock would either be kind of like the wingback or the, on the line of scrimmage X receiver. And then the guy on the other side would be McConkie. So I think that goes to show you how, uh, how much Georgia thought of him as an, as a well-rounded receiver. And I think how much the NFL is going to as well.
0: All right, let's go AD Mitchell here, receiver from Texas via Georgia. And uh, a guy, I think you've been, I don't know if you're higher on than most, but I know you've been high on AD Mitchell since, since the preseason.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I really like AD Mitchell. Um, He's somebody who I think is very fluid of a player for being six foot four. I think he's got really quick feet for a player, again, who is six foot four. He, he doesn't have the contested catch strength that a player of his size, you're kind of wanting to see a little bit more of that, but really fluid route runner for a guy of his size, consistent red zone threat. Um, somebody who I would love to see on the Baltimore Ravens, honestly. You've got, Zay Flowers, who I think is going to be nice for you. I don't know if they're bringing back Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman has not blossomed the way that we thought that he was going to. You saw how, I don't want to say difficult, but um, losing Mark Andrews was tough for this team because Andrews is such a key piece of what they do in the receiving game from the tight end spot. If you had another bigger bodied receiver that you could play on the outside, I think that would really help out that passing attack even more. So I think that Mitchell's skill set and size is something that the Ravens don't have right now. I think they were hoping to get with Odell. I think they were hoping to get with Rashad Bateman, and I think that Mitchell could be that guy for him.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting skill set for Mitchell because I there there's definitely some nuance to his route running. I think he's unbelievable with his head and shoulder and just mm-hmm. he makes corners look silly at times. Had that uh, early leap touchdown in the college football playoff. Remember he just jumped up and hung in the air and caught that back shoulder and then maybe had a chance to catch the back shoulder against Washington the second time and didn't get up there. But um, there's definitely a lot to like about his game. He's another guy that was uh, one of the highest average depth of targets in college football over the last few years. Yep. And, and, and this is where the stats don't always tell the story. He's been a low yak guy. Yes. But that, it's like it's inversely correlated to being targeted down the field. You don't see guys targeted down the field and also have high yak. Mm-hmm. I, I still don't think that's his skill set necessarily as being a great after the catch receiver, but we didn't see those opportunities a ton in college, either at Georgia or at Texas. So I think that part's interesting, but I, I, like, his, I like his route running, man. I think he, he knows how to set up corners, knows how to get open. You mentioned him as a red zone threat because I think he's got that, he's got the hops and the ability to attack the ball. So there's definitely a lot to like there, even with some of the catch point physicality questions that you, that you brought up that I think definitely show up on film. So A.D. Mitchell going to the Ravens as your best fit. Um, How about Roman Wilson? That dude took the senior bowl by storm. I think Lance Erline may be the first one to put Roman Wilson from Michigan into his first-round mock draft. How about a best fit for Roman Wilson from
1: Michigan? Yeah, we're getting a lot of Michigan guys in this draft, like overall. They have a legit shot to beat Georgia's record, which I think is 16 guys drafted from a single draft class. Um, Michigan's going to threaten it. I think that they've got a potential to tie it or beat it, which is just insane. But I don't think, I don't know if we're going to get Wilson in the first round. Second round, a fit that I would love for him. If he were to go to the Cleveland Browns, I I think that this would be a really, really solid pick for them because I think they're just looking for juice overall. Now this is a former track sprinter. He's got legit four, three speed, but as you saw this past season, they emphasized him more, as a wide receiver one type targeting him deep down the field, asking him to go up and get it through contact. And he's got a handful of reps from this past season where he displayed that he was able to do that. He was pretty much uncoverable in the senior bowl. You're right. Whether it was through the releases or just the overall long speed. Um, it just seemed like such a natural and he was consistently winning in that regard. And when I look at the Browns, you know, you don't have Donovan Peoples Jones anymore. You've got Amari Cooper. Who you can kind of move around everywhere. I like Cedric Tillman a lot. You know, he's your, again, on the line of scrimmage, X type of power receiver. And then you've got Elijah Moore, who I think can be a good slot player, but I feel like we've been saying that for the last couple of years, and it's just very inconsistent with him. Outside of that, you, David Bell's kind of coming in and rotating, but David Bell, I don't think is like an NFL caliber athlete to really help that offense consistently. It was very, it'd be very spotty for me. Wilson can play either as an outside off the line of scrimmage type of vertical threat. Or I think he can also give you a lot of plus ability um, in the slot as well. And I don't think he's as good of a blocker as Lad McConkie is, but he is a similar style of fearless, despite his size, you know, at Michigan, it's the same thing, right? It, it's a lot of really good football players, a lot of really good strength and conditioning program and a team that's going to run the football. If you don't block, you're not getting on the field. And as the saying goes, you're not getting the rock. And Roman Wilson was somebody over the last two seasons who and really showed plus blocking ability when you look at pound for pound, like how big he actually is. Because he's not that big. He's a smaller receiver. Yeah. But I think he'd be perfect for Cleveland. They just need some extra juice. I think he gives them that in a lot of ways. He put on an absolute show at the Senior Bowl, as you mentioned.
0: The word smooth, I, I, sometimes I write, I, I overuse words when I write down my notes. And so I think I wrote down smooth multiple times mm-hmm. with uh, with Roman Wilson in and out of cuts and some of his, uh, uh, you know, just 90 degree cuts, two way goes. So I, I, yeah, I think inside, outside Roman Wilson has that ability. And there's so many teams like I, as a, as we fix teams this off season, we spend the next few months making them better. My solutions are very consistent. Add more playmakers, add more playmakers. So the Browns adding more playmakers. They've, they've consistently had a good offensive line. They should have their run game back in order. And just getting more dudes who can get open. And they, whatever they do, they need to maximize Deshaun Watson during this window. Have to. And have, have to do it. So dudes who can get open and catch the ball, like Roman Wilson, make a ton of sense in Cleveland. Yep. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why, for the last couple of years, I've been drinking AG1 every single day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop, mix it with water, once a day, every day. Makes me feel great, ready to take on the day. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. What does the morning look like with AG1? I like to drink it in the morning, which is recommended for optimal nutrition nutrition. Absorption. So I fill up my shaker with extra cold water, add one scoop of AG1, shake it up, and I'm ready to go. I'm running short on time. I can mix my AG1 before heading out. I'll grab a travel pack. Each has an individual serving of AG1 that's easy to mix on the go, helping ensure I get my daily nutrients no matter what. So if there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why we've partnered with them for so long here on the PFF NFL podcast. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2. And five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase over at drinkag1.com slash PFF. That's drinkag1.com slash PFF. Go check it out right now. All right. Do you know, I don't know if you know about Sam's love for your next guy, number nine on your list here, Jalyn Polk
1: from Washington. Does he actually love him or is this a troll? As a football player, he does love him. Yes. Was that might- like ro- romantically he doesn't?
0: No, but Polk, okay. Polk might be the guy every year. Sam has a guy's like, what's too high to rank this guy. What, <laughs> I don't, I want to put this out into the ether, but I don't want to get laughed at too much. Right. Like last year he wanted to put tank Dell above Quinton Johnston and he, and he got bullied, you know, in his, in his brain. Like I can't, I can't make that move, mm. um, not to give away his wide receiver rankings for next week, but I think Polk's going to be his guy where he's just like, I think he's top five or whatever it might be. What's uh what's best fit for Polk for you?
1: Well, one, Sam should be fearless. Um, You know, yes. scouts and general managers have a low hit rate. So I think that True. it's, I think that it's crazy. And I don't say that to take shots at them at all whatsoever. It's like a, the decision makers who, whose process is better than ours and more detailed than ours and have a lot of uh, information and things that, that we don't, they even get it wrong. So the fun part of scouting is to look at a player and be like, Oh, You know, I actually kind of like him, and then you get to have a discussion, and if somebody else kind of says something and it points out and it proves to be correct, then you go back and you adjust your scouting process. So uh, I would hope that – and look, I'm talking to myself. I've had to learn this lesson many times and still do Um, because nobody loves to be wrong. But I would say to Sam, do what's in your heart. Rank him wherever you want. Rank him wherever you think that he should be. Um, I like Jalen Polk. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say
0: hit rates all relative, right? um, It's funny because uh, there's not too many evaluators who think that they don't hit at a high rate. They're all very, very confident, uh, (laughs) even without even without the model, even if the model, the model, double your hit rate right here. If you if you have the answers to the test ahead of time. But uh, yeah, it's just it's an interesting dynamic. So be bold and uh, you just never know. And if you think about all the redrafts three and four years later. It's all dudes from the second, third, fourth, eighth round, right, undrafted free agents that are in the first round five years later. So it yep. is, it's a it's tough predicting things perfectly. Carry so on.
1: I, I like Jalen Polk a, a, a good amount, man. I think when you talk about, like, contest to catch studs, and I totally forgot to put Keon Coleman on this list. I mean, that was a massive brain fart on my part, but I would put Keon Coleman to the same team, and that is I would love to see both of these guys on the Kansas City Chiefs. I would love to see Jalen Polk. I would love to see Keon Coleman on the Chiefs. And it's some people have talked to me about like, oh, the Chiefs don't need somebody like who can't separate. Yeah, but that, that that contested catch ability, I think is something that would be highlighted so well in Kansas City getting to work with Patrick Mahomes. And when you talk about somebody who, okay, maybe they don't separate extremely well. If you've got a pinpoint accurate playmaking quarterback, well, guess what? They're going to give you a chance to go above the rim and come down with a lot of those contested catches. You know, it's not like you're going to have to be an acrobatic Player or create a massive separation window in order to get a catch, get a completion. Mahomes is going to be somebody who gives you a chance. And obviously, as Travis Kelsey continues to get older, I think that that um, that bigger presence as a receiver uh, is going to be really important to them because um, I, f- I feel like Kelsey's maybe going to play like one more year. And then I, I feel like they're going to take a run at the three-peat. And then I wonder if him and Andy Reid are going to hang it up after that. I, I just, I-, I have no inside information there. You know, but that's just kind of like how I feel. So if that's coming, I would like for them to get a little bit more powerful at receiver, especially since you have Rasheed Rice. You know, you have some speed guys that you've been able to pick up and have on the team, you know, MBS and B. Cole Hardman over the last couple of years, and you could still get a speed guy if you want to replace those players. But to me, if you have a guy who is fantastic at contested catches, so strong at the catch point, which Polk and Coleman both are, I really, really need you to get to work with a quarterback who's going to be able to not only give you a chance, but give you a chance with good accuracy and IQ and decision-making when it comes to, okay, this is one of those chances. And I think you could see a lot of great production from him. So Polk playing with Washington, specifically over the last couple of years, has made some acrobatic catches with, with full extension of the arms, um, full use of the catch radius when it's when it's come to some of those big... Michael Penix Jr. plays. He is, I think, a better separator than Keon Coleman is right now. I don't think he's as athletic, but those are two players whose calling cards to me are always just going to be contested catch situations and incredible spectacular catches. So for that, I, I think the the landing spot's the same. It's Kansas City.
0: I, I think the the Chiefs are going to be in the receiver market, regardless. I mean, it's it's tough to remember now during the regular season, maybe just how, just how ugly the receiver situation was because they just went on the Super Bowl run and still right. overcame it. But we went into the playoffs thinking, okay, this offseason, watch out—the Chiefs are going to attack this thing with uh, what did Harbaugh say? With uh, tenacity unknown to mankind, or whatever he said. I mean, that's what I was—that's what I was anticipating from the Chiefs. I still think they'll go that route. So um, I like an AD Mitchell for the Chiefs. I mean, some of the other guys we talked about. The the thing about this is all of these guys are in a good situation if they're playing with Patrick Mahomes. I know Sky Moore didn't really work out, but you know Rasheed Rice couldn't have gone to a better spot to maximize what he's able to do. So all of these guys are in a better spot if they play with Mahomes and the Chiefs. I think what you're talking about is a general receivers that can win at the catch point. I've been waiting for those types of guys for Trevor Lawrence for a while in Jacksonville. Mm. So I, a, anyone that you're saying a Keon Coleman that's going to go up and win at the catch point whatever it might be. I want that guy with Trevor Lawrence. And that's not the only guy I would want in Jacksonville. For for Lawrence, I think he needs easier throws generally. I think there's there's games where it's like their difficulties jacked up to 12 and he's trying to hit a million tight window throws. He needs an easier life, I think as far as down to down goes, but he also needs somebody he can trust and go win. So I think anytime you're describing that type of receiver, I think I think of Trevor Lawrence because I think another guy that could be aggressive, get the ball down the field, give these guys opportunities to make plays.
1: Yeah. I, um, I believe in my recent two round mock draft that I had over at pff.com this week, they had the Jags getting Jackson powers, Johnson in the first round and lad McConkey in the second round. So nice combo. That's a really, nice I, combo. I mean, that'd be sick for them.
0: That'd be, I like that'd it. be good. All right. Number 10 on the list, Tez Walker. And then we'll talk, uh, Xavier Leggett. People are asking about, uh, him not being on the list and maybe Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's one or two others that you would want to touch on but how about tez walker
1: yeah so tez walker and we can throw xavier worthy in this kind of same conversation because to me they're the same sort of player they're they're vertical players um and I, I watched tez walker's 2022 tape at kent state and I felt like he could be a total package wide receiver I mean he goes up against Oklahoma, Washington, and Georgia. And the Oklahoma game wasn't great. But the other two, I mean, he played really well, especially in that Georgia game. Like, he was up to the challenge. And I remember watching an interview about him afterwards, and he said, like, yeah, that was my chance to say, like, I'm I'm worthy of playing against these kind of guys. And the releases was there, or the releases were there, I should say, you know, proper English. It's important. He was able to threaten vertically, even against, again, some of those best, the, the better secondaries that he went up against. He had good strength coming off of the line of scrimmage, but 2023, he he was not the same player. I thought the polish was not there from his routes, from his releases. He just was not able to get as, as open vertically, even with that same speed, because he's got great long speed, I think. And this senior bowl, he had some nice catches. I'm not going to take everything away from him, but there were way too many times where he should... You got to come down with it. Ball's hitting your hands. You got to be able to catch it, and he just didn't. So when you're a receiver that is still... Not super polished, especially what felt like he took a step back from 2022 to 2023. I know he went through a lot. with was like the NCAA eligibility and not being able to play most of the first half of the season. So I get that that kind of might go into it, but it was just a tough showing for him at the Senior Bowl. And I was really, really excited to see him in Mobile. And I was disappointed by how low his catch percentage was. So to me, I still think that landing spot, like I said, with Worthy and like I said a little bit with Thomas, vertical spots. Indianapolis Colts, second round. Can the Colts get him and put him with Anthony Richardson with that big arm to play as just purely a vertical stretch kind of a guy? You don't have to put a lot on his plate. That is a landing spot that I really think the Colts still need to address and unlock. So both Xavier Worthy and Tez Walker, to me, Indianapolis would be a good spot for him.
0: Yeah, I like that fit, especially the assumption that Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be back. And you know Pittman is what I always I always classify as the uber possession type the guy that's gonna not average high yards per catch but move the chains and you know Pittman had games last year where he had you know six out of their 10 passing first downs or whatever it might have been Complementing that with the vertical threat with Josh Downs in the slot again it's a big year I think for the Colts from a receiver standpoint also with you on Tez Walker the disappointment at the senior bowl low catch rate kept dropping passes or he was losing at the catch point whatever it might have been um and I'm with you as well. Another guy that feels has only really been used as a vertical threat. Mm-hmm. Right. And one of the biggest challenges in scouting, it's like, well, here's how a guy's used. Can he do these other things that we haven't seen a a whole lot of, but he does feel like that's going to be his game is, is, is win vertically, I don't think he's as nuanced of a route runner in the short and intermediate routes. And so I think, I think the, as a vertical threat, where there's a little bit less pressure, right. It's like, just, win on a couple routes, make an impact. That's how DK Metcalf made an impact immediately, right? DK might be the perfect example of a guy that doesn't have a full, polished game, but they just threw him goes and posts and slants his first couple years, and he was plenty productive, and it gave him time to polish up the other parts of his game, which he probably doesn't even need because a big, he's a deep threat. So I think that's how you want to use a Tez Walker early on and just let him win down the field.
1: I agree. I agree. That's what you got to do with him early on.
0: We didn't plan it because you know we went through the top ten. But uh, the chat's asking about Leggett, and you know, not necessarily a best fit. But is there a reason? Are you lower on him than most? Or what are your thoughts on Xavier Leggett? From
1: yeah, like Leggett's Leggett's right around here. I think he was wide receiver ten for me when Connor and I went through wide receiver rankings for the stock exchange podcaster. He might I can't remember if he was like ten or eleven. He was he was right around there and. Uh, Leggett's interesting. I think that he could certainly be a good pro, but he really was not using the offense at all whatsoever until this past year. The coaching staff, from what I heard, said that he had an unbelievable summer camp. Like, he was basically just unguardable in summer camp. So they had to get him more involved in the passing offense. Juice Wells goes down with an injury, so now all of a sudden all the wide receiver one targets are basically Leggett's. And he was great this year. The issue that I have with him is... South Carolina, he, he is, you mentioned DK Metcalf. He is a Metcalf type of player. Like not a lot of polish in his routes. He's not a great route runner, but he's just a monster contested catch dude. And he moves a lot more explosively than you would think for a player of his size. But then I say a player of his size, South Carolina had him listed at like six foot three, two hundred and twenty-seven pounds. He shows up to Mobile at the senior bowl and he weighs in at like six one. Just under 220, or right around 220 pounds. The arm oh, length best. was short. The hands were small. It's like, damn. Okay. You know, Metcalf was a monster, like physically, right? And I don't. I'm not just talking about like muscular. Like he was, he was, he was big. He was tall. He was long. He was fast. He was strong. He was all these things. And it's it, it, Xavier Leggett is trying to play that style, but he's trying to do so at just six foot one, at, with shorter arms and 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 smaller hands. And so. That, to me, kind of goes into the evaluation of, all right, well, he's not really winning consistently outside of being a yards-after-catch kind of a dude because, it. I mean, he's, he's still really athletic for whatever his size is. We saw that on tape. That doesn't take away what he did. But when you're moving, even from SEC level to NFL level, it's a little bit different. You want to have every advantage that you possibly can. So he's kind of right around there for me. I was just shocked. Honestly, about his measurables, and then at the Senior Bowl, it was it was it was a lot of the same. Like I, I felt like Leggett was fine at the Senior Bowl, but it felt like if he was not winning as a one-on-one down the sideline, deep contested catch player, he really wasn't winning at all. So, one-dimensional, a little smaller than we thought. I'm just a little bit nervous about how scheme proof this guy would be to talk about different shapes and sizes of NFL wide receivers and how you know you could find success in a lot of different ways it's true but when you draft wide receivers high in the first round in the top 50 in the top two rounds whatever you want to say you kind of got to want to have some scheme versatility you don't want to be as pigeonholed there right like that's why say take Jalen Hyatt for an example Jalen Hyatt wins the Balitnikov award the year before insane production as a vertical threat receiver he goes in the third round to the New York Giants. And the reason why is because it's like, okay, well, not really a good route runner, long legs, stiff in the hips. He's probably not going to be able to give you too much as a route runner, even beyond what we saw at Tennessee. So he's just that straight line, great vertical speed. And when you become pretty one-dimensional, that limits how, how high you could go. So anyways, for Leggett, though, landing spots that I would like, I think Philadelphia for him, you know, in that wide receiver rotation is kind of like just a depth player along with... Uh, an A.J. Brown type of a style, a Devontae Smith style, you know, coming in being a wide receiver four probably for them right away. I think that's an option. I also don't mind Dallas Cowboys. Think of the Cowboys, how Cooks is going into last year of his deal. Gallup wasn't as good as what we thought he was going to be last year. C. Lamb's going to be the wide receiver one, and they got Jalen Tolbert to be a good vertical threat for them. But you get another wide receiver four, wide receiver five type of a player like Leggett, who's also, I think, going to be a beast for you on special teams uh, because the coaching staff of South Carolina raved about the type of worker he is. So. That's my thoughts on on, on Laguette, somebody who I liked a decent amount. I was just pretty shocked about his measurements and really standing on the field next to him and watching him in practices in Mobile.
0: He came in at 6'1", 223, officially. Oh, so he's
1: 223,
0: okay. Like, yeah, th- 31 and 5 eighths-inch arms or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of his highlight real plays are definitely contested situations going up against it. I, we're still pre combine and everything, and I know – I know people like to poo-poo the combine, but it does matter. Not everything matters, and it doesn't matter in a linear fashion. It doesn't just matter about the 40, but there, there's it's, it's more data to add to the equation here. I think uh, Laguette looked fast uh, on film. I'm curious to know what he might run. Um, we also have game speeds for all these guys, but um, that stuff's going to matter. That's going to change evaluation, so uh, we're just starting the process, but there's – it's another one of those years there's like 15 or 20 receivers probably hyped up as potential top 100 picks not all of them are going to go everybody loves wide receivers everybody loves wide
1: receivers every every wide receiver is a top 100 pick and it's just it's not it's not gonna it's not gonna happen like that
0: it's just the nature of it and again i think that's why because they're also extremely valuable when you have one but you're playing Mm -hmm. the scarcity game right it's harder to find a starting caliber offensive tackle i've had to personally come around to this a little bit more over the last couple of years. I think the NFL generally gets it right when it comes to, you know, draft the big guys early, draft your tackles, draft, draft your edges, because elite guys are harder to come by. Solid Mm -hmm. starters are harder to come by. And from a receiver standpoint of, as as we've said, a hundred times on the show, you can hide skill sets a little bit more at that position and ease them in, you know, with 500 snaps in a season rather than a thousand right away. So, yep. Anything else to add
1: here today? Trevor that was fun just talking ball man I think uh, we we said 10 and I think we gave the people 13 so we gave you a little because we threw we threw Keon Coleman in there we threw Xavier Worthy in there and we threw uh Xavier Leggett in there so that that
0: is the um that's the ethos here on the PFF NFL podcast Trevor we started a series a couple years ago where we said we're going to do one show and we're going to fix every team in five minutes right so we're just going to we're gonna do it so fast. We're just gonna fly through, give some answers, and go. And from the very first team, Sam was like, all right, let's break down the QB situation. I was like, okay, we're not doing this in five minutes. <laughs> so we we started going division, we started doing two divisions per show. So it went from five minutes to every team was getting 20. Yeah. We still call it fixing every team in five minutes. So we're just known for giving more. That's what we do here. You still call it fixing every team in five minutes? We say fixing every team in five minutes and then in parentheses lol jk because we can never do anything that quickly here it just means that you guys love ball
1: you just want to talk ball we do you know
0: we do and that series is coming up we always do that like right before free agency we you know fix teams with free agents in the draft so that's that's all coming up here soon uh once sam gets back from his extended vacation or whatever he's dealing with here so all right Trevor. thanks again man that was awesome by the way uh pff the mock draft simulator is giving you a special discount. It's 30MDS. That's our promo code. You get 30% off any annual subscription over at PFF. Promo code 30MDS. Uh, Once again, we're going three shows a week right now. So that's it for this week for the PFF NFL Podcast. I'm trying to get Rick Spielman on the show for Monday morning. Sam will be back next Wednesday. Hopefully answer some emails next week, do some wide receiver rankings. But don't forget to email us, NFLpodcast at pff.com. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again on Monday with more PFF NFL Podcasts.